So Craig asked, well, we swapped days actually, I was supposed to preach last Sunday, but Phil did for me because we had a bit of family stuff going on. Um, but as I went into this week and preparing this sermon, I was going, what am I going to speak on? Because Craig, he was so nice to me, he let me pick. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to be told because then you just, you know what you're going to work on. But no, Craig was nice to let me pick. So I was thinking and praying, meditating. And I met with a friend of mine, Andrew Linton, who's an elder over at Hokanui, and we are just talking. And um, somehow we came to the point of Jesus wept. And I went, oh, that's what I'm going to preach on. Jesus wept. Because we were sharing um, personally, and Andrew Linton was a lifeline to me during um, some real difficult time in my life. Um, He was a real friend and a real mentor to me. And... um, I just felt the presence of the Lord say, yeah, this is what we need to talk about, emotion and feeling. And he shared with me, and I went, yeah, I know what you're saying. He shared with me that for most of his life, he had lived a pretty stoic life. Not a super emotional guy. Went through a lot of different things. Went through some real hardship. And only till the last few years, he shared did he actually allow himself to process through that? And I feel that is a real epidemic here in New Zealand. And I'd say especially within the church. We like to not feel our emotions. We're very quick to box them up and we're very quick to um, just say it's all right. Someone's going through a hard time. We're very quick to give them the, that's right, Jesus loves you. You're going to go to heaven. Everything's going to be good. But as we sit and we look at this wonderful passage here in John 11, we see Christ interact with a horrible situation, and he meets it in two ways, both filled with compassion and love. Um both filled with compassion and love. Sorry, I just got to turn this on somehow. Here we go. Um, And he, yeah, he meets Mary and Martha where they are at. And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at a couple of other um, passages of the Bible as well. And I want you to know something. Whenever we look at the Word of God, the stories are never void of emotion. The emotion is there, the emotion is carrying the story through, carrying the people through, and um, God interacts with that emotion, with those feelings. So we're going to look at sorrow, we're going to look at sadness, and we're going to look at anger, two emotions that I feel are pushed away and pushed aside as Christians, um, and as New Zealanders. Um, But yeah, we're going to explore them and see how Christ comes to us and he meets us in those places. So, um, thank you, Joel, for reading that. Um, I'm not going to reread this story as such, but I'm going to go through it a little bit more uh, creatively, a bit more of a narrative for you, 
I'm going to retell it quickly. So Jesus isn't with Lazarus, Mary, or Martha, but he hears, he's off in Judea, yeah, um, but he hears about how sick Lazarus is, and he hears that he's going to die. But Jesus doesn't automatically just run off to go meet them. He waits. And by the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus has already died, and it's been four days. Now, Mary and Martha had sent word and said, you need to come now, but Jesus waited. But once Jesus decides it's time, he gets up and he goes to Bethany. Um... And he walks there. And as he's coming into the town, Martha comes running out to him. And in his, in, her presence, in his presence, she goes, Lord, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would, have not have, would not have died. Martha had full belief, had Jesus been there, he could have healed him, but he didn't. But within her statement to um, Jesus, she goes, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So within that statement, Martha isn't shook to the bone. She is still has faith that Jesus can do miraculous things. Um, she still trusts Jesus. And from their conversation, we can see it. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha replied, yes. He will rise again when everyone else rises at the last day, at the day of the resurrection. So Martha already had this future hope that Lazarus was going to die. And so Jesus meets her in her pain and comforts her. Um, slightly different to how we're going to see he comforts Mary. So Jesus, in comforting her, reminds her of truth. So hold on to that. He reminds her of truth. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Which is just a beautiful response. Reminding Martha of the truth that she already knows. Reassuring her that um, she will be with her brother again. A simple but easy response that reassures her in that moment. Martha, relieved of this, gets up and runs back to Mary and says, Mary, come quick, Jesus is finally here. Come see him. And we know the interesting relationship Martha and Mary have from their meal time. Um, with Jesus previously. 
Marth was the busybody trying to make sure everything was perfect and fixed. Mary just wanted to be with Jesus. So Martha thought, oh, maybe if I just bring Mary to Jesus, that'll make Mary happy and sort it out. So Martha ran, grabs Mary, and Mary runs. And everyone in the room that's supporting them in their mourning follows her, thinking, oh, she's going to go to the tomb. But no, she goes to where Jesus is. And she, she meets Jesus and says the exact same thing almost as what um, Martha said. Write down in verse 32. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And interesting enough, she didn't, doesn't add the same ending as Martha did, where Martha said, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Mary's just upset, she's broken, she's lost her brother, and she's disappointed and frustrated in the whole situation. And I think at this point there's a key moment here where Jesus recognises that to reach Mary, he has to interact with her differently to how he reached Martha. And instead of coming in with just this beautiful answer of, yes, he's going to rise, yes, everything's going to be all good one day, we're going to have the resurrection. How amazing is that? No. He realises, I need to meet with her differently. And so he takes, or doesn't take off, he reflects the emotion that she has back to her. And we have this wonderful verse that says, Jesus wept. Jesus stopped. Stopped trying to um, reassure. Stopped trying to give facts. No, he just stood there and he wept with Mary and all the other mourners and felt their sorrow and loss. And I just love this verse. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. So meditate on that just for a while. Christ's reaction. And think about it. When you're going through a hard time and you're really struggling... Actually, Jesus meets you in the same way. He sees you as his children, and when you're sad, he's sad. He doesn't like to see us in pain or hurting. So real simply, Christ meets Martha with compassion. He reminds her of the hope of a Messiah and the resurrection. And Christ reassures Martha of the truth. That's how Christ meets Martha. But he meets Mary differently. Christ noticed the difference in the way she came to him. Christ reflects the emotion Mary is showing and allows space for her just to feel sad. And then Christ joins Mary in her emotion. So two, 
equally good responses, but two different responses. And my warning to us as a church, as a whole community, is how do we need to um, meet those that are struggling? Because emotion happens in community and should happen in community. We need to allow space for us to mourn together. Was Mary standing alone crying, mourning by herself? No, she had friends and family around her. And she went to the one that they loved so deeply, Jesus, in that really hard time. Um, So yeah, we as a church, we need to think about how we interact with um, emotion and supporting those that are going through hard times. Sometimes it is good to be reminded. Sometimes it is good to have fact and truth put in front of you. But sometimes it is just as good to sit there and cry with the person when that's what they need. I mean, that's what I'm studying as a counsellor. And I was talking to Jade's husband, um, Ryan, and he said, you know, we as Christians should be able to make the best counsellors because we should be able to practice this stuff. Be able to enter into space without judgement, without hardness, and just meet people in their state, in their emotion. But Jesus doesn't just meet us in our sorrow. And so I'm going to jump to another scripture because I want to also look at another side that comes. And I think of this, especially as I know what a lot of people are going through this week and this year. Because sometimes here we are sad and you know, they're dealing with a lost one, but within there, there is a sense of frustration and anger. Um, but yeah, we as Christians are going to meet anger. Oh, I missed that one. So in Matthew 21, 12 to 13, we see Christ get angry. So Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals to sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scripture declares my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. So Christ has entered another situation here. And now he's dealing with anger. He's frustrated at what's happened in his society. He's frustrated what's happened in his own father's house. And now he's got another emotion and um, anger. Now, we all deal with anger quite a bit. It's a natural emotion, but we need to process it correctly. Now, Jesus had all righteous right to walk into the temple and start flipping tables because that was his father's house and he was doing it for right reasons. Now, I might touch onto something a little um, out of it, but um, it was already brought up today when we were talking about Anzac and World War II. At that point in World War II, there were a lot of people, people filled with righteous anger and said, we've got to do something about it. 
people, yes, some people went off and fought wars, but some people stood and they decided to save people a different way and do things other ways. What I'm trying to do here really is highlight to you guys that it's okay to be angry. Jesus got angry. And just as um, Jesus met Mary and Martha in their sorrow, he met them in their anger. And he meets us in our anger. Now that's a little broad right now, I feel like I'm speaking in. Really out there, some big broad statements, but um, I want to just talk to you for a moment from my heart and my experience in the last couple of years. Because I want to make it really real for you about how Christ meets us. And I really believe that anger and sadness and all these emotions do not run separate, and that's why I've brought them two together. And the worst thing is, is when we bottle those emotions up, if we bottle sadness up, anger can pop out and be really unhealthy, or our sadness can become really unhealthy. And I've shared this from the pulpit before, but a few years ago, or two years ago, I was um, in a pretty horrible place. I was put under someone who was a workplace bully. And the way he treated me was not becoming of a Christian. And he hurt me in such a way that the only exit I felt was to do something really drastic and to hurt myself. And that was horrible. And that was a bad space to be in. And I was isolated and alone and unable to process what I was going through properly. And that's what put me in that place. I had no way to process through all the emotion that I was feeling. And so I became dangerous. Okay? I'm being very careful because I understand there's children in the room on what I'm saying here. So just to ease any parents. Sorry, I won't say anything too drastic. Um, But yeah, I was in a place where I was dangerous and I needed to let out my emotion. And one of those ways was I went and sought help. I had the mental health crisis team come and see me, or I went and saw them, and we talked through it. And that was the immediate pressure relieved because I left that place and came to a new place, moved into Hamilton, and I was within, I was in a safe time. But within that space, those emotions still carried with me. My anger was still there and my sadness was there. I felt like I had failed. I felt I'd done a whole pile of things wrong. I was mad at people for hurting me. And I needed to process through that. And I needed to meet with God to actually deal with that. Um, And it was people like Andrew Linton coming and seeing me 
and encouraging me in those times, that was great. And he reminded me of who I was and the work that I'd done, which was amazing. And he did what Jesus did to Martha with me and reminded me of those truths. But then that wasn't just the whole part of my healing story. I also needed a space where I could just be alone with Jesus and feel that emotion, feel that anger. And so the way that that came through with me was I turned to the Psalms, which are a collection of expressions of emotion. That's David, that's Asap, that's Solomon, expressing how they feel into the means of calling for God, worshipping God, um, crying out at the great travesties that had happened. And one psalm that really stood out to me was um, Psalm 75. And I've just put a small snippet up there, going from one to seven. We thank you, O God, we give thanks because you are near. People everywhere tell tell of your wonderful deeds. God says, at the time I have planned, I will bring justice against the wicked. When the earth quakes and its people are in turmoil, I am the one who keeps the foundations firm. I warn the proud, stop boasting. I told the wicked, don't raise your fists. Don't raise your fists in defiance at the heavens or speak such arrogance. For no one on earth from the east or the west or even in the wilderness should raise a fist in defiant, raise a defiant fist. It is God alone who judges and he will decide, he decides who will rise and who will fall. In my struggle, it was a great encouragement, first off, for me to know that God was near. He was listening. It was great for me to know that he had a plan for those that were wicked. Because I had someone that was wicked to me. And I needed to know that God saw what happened to me, and he stood there, and he made a plan for what will happen to them. And I take great comfort at knowing that those people will have to stand before God. I don't need to go out and act revenge. I had people offer it to me. But I didn't need it. Because God had it in hand. And I found a quiet space for me to dwell on these verses and to dwell and just feel the emotion. And the emotion was... Um, intense (laughs) it was angry it was sad it was tears, it was screaming but it was there and I was able to process through that and I mean that's just I can't state that more than we need to feel these emotions We need to be able to sit there and actually feel them and know that Christ meets us where we are at. If we don't allow us to process through, I was explaining it to a client the other day. If we don't allow us to feel our emotions, it's like blowing up a balloon. 
and we blow the balloon more, and we blow it up more until it gives out and goes pop. And what happens when the balloon goes pop with all your emotion inside? What happens when we just keep stuffing it and we go pop? What does that actually look like? And at that point, that's when the scary stuff happens. But when we're feeling that and we're processing through that emotion, this, this right here should be our comfort. God bends down to listen. Like with Solomon. He comes to me and he wants to talk to me. And I can stand over top of him. I mean, he's just about that tall. And I can stand down and go, okay. But when he's upset, I can get down on my knee and I can actually listen to him and be there as a father to a child and comfort him. And what that verse there is saying is what God does to us when we are going through that time and that sadness, that when we feel death has wrapped its ropes around me and the tears of the grave overtake us, we can only see trouble. Christ bends down like a father to his child and listens to us in that emotion, in that place. So I implore you all, as believers, it is vital for us to be mindful of our emotions. When we ignore them, they will build up inside of us and become stumbling blocks. We need to be like Christ and create space space for us to process through them and when necessary, use them. Use our emotions. Now, our emotions are what drives us. And as a body, when we see someone around us hurting, that's when we show this wonderful thing of empathy. And we use our emotion to sit with someone and feel what they're going through and say, brother or sister, I feel that. I know what that is. Because if we ignore the emotions in ourselves, we won't be able to sit with our brother when they are hurting or our sister when they are hurting, and we won't be able to reflect that. When we ignore our emotions, we cut off a major way for us to be able to do the work of the gospel. So feel. Know that it's okay to be sad or angry. Know that it's okay to be upset. Because I tell you right now, there are people in this church that are going through absolutely horrible situations. And they need us to be able to sit with them and go, that sucks. That's horrible. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that you're so sick. I'm sorry that you lost your job. I'm sorry that you lost your parent or your family member. Don't be void of that. Don't be too stoic or hard-minded that we ignore all good emotions given to us from God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that 
You made us to be whole and complete beings, not void or missing any important part, Lord. You gave us emotions to feel. You gave us emotions so that we can be in community and live in community, Lord. I just ask that you would help us to use them correctly, help us to, to um, process through our pain, Lord. And Lord, I lift up those in our congregation right now who are struggling, who have it so horrible right now that they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, we ask that you would rise up mighty people in our congregation that are willing to go and sit and empathize and suffer alongside them. To see that pain, to see that hurt, to see that anger. Not to shame them for it, but to encourage them in it, Lord. We ask this in your mighty and precious name. Amen.